Hello and welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio and LCFC TV after Leicester's brilliant 4-0 win over Newcastle at King Power Stadium yesterday. Uh, welcome along to Tony Cotty and to Jerry Taggart. Tony, it's nice to see the tree is uh, finally decorated this week. Yeah, well, last week, Danny, as you, as you know, the tree was up, but there was no sign of any decorations. But, you know, I'm like a true wife, she's done it for me. And my little mate, was seeing there, and there I am, there's my brother sitting on my shoulder. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you? No sign of Christmas decorations up in your house yet? Not in the dungeon, mate, unfortunately. There's a load of presents to the side of me waiting to be put under the tree, but uh, the tree is... Oh, it's still in the garage, the tree. It hasn't been up, but all the rest of them are up. But I have to say, Tony, you have made me feel a little bit smaller than your brother on this trip. Very desperate, my friend. Good effort. <laughs> um, right, let's talk football then. Um, Leicester needed that, Tony, didn't they? Uh, and, and they delivered with that, that brilliant win over Newcastle. Yeah, they did, Dan. You know, we know it's been a difficult week for the club and, you know, you have to bounce back. It's what football's all about. And you, you have ups and downs and you have to deal with them. Um, but, you know, the only way you can do all the moaning in the world and all the talking in the world, but you have to do your talking on the pitch. Um, I watched the game yesterday. I've got to say, Dan, I found it, I, I don't know what takes things, but I found it a bit of a strange game because the first half, it was, you know, there's hardly any efforts on goal, really. It was sort of, you know, not really going anywhere. And there was... There was nothing in that first half to lead you to believe that come the end of the game, you'd be talking about what ultimately was a convincing and commanding victory by Leicester. So, yeah, obviously, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, you know, I'm really pleased that the club's got back on track. It was really important, but it was quite a strange game. Yeah, what did you make of it, Jerry? Yeah, I agree with Tony. First half, you know, if, if, if you try and dissect what uh, Eddie Hyde does as a manager, then... Sitting deep, defending with 10 players behind the ball is not the way he likes to play his football. But I think he understands that Newcastle are a club in a bit of crisis at the minute. No, whether or not, you know, there's multi-billionaires behind the club now or not. Uh, and yesterday proved that. And, and the first half sort of, uh, you know, showed the reason why there were so few efforts on goal because Newcastle came... Defended with 10 men, sat really deep, tried to hit Leicester on the counter-attack with Sam Maxine and Almiron uh, and obviously Wilson. Uh, and it didn't really work for them. And then once Leicester got the grips with that, there was moments in the game, moments of brilliance, let's call it. And James Madison, you have to say, was front and centre of those moments of brilliance. He was involved in all four goals. Uh, and it was those key moments in the game that changed the, the course of the game. But Newcastle, you know, came to try and spoil Leicester's, uh, you know, Leicester's day at home. At, you know, massive game, as Tony's already said. Both teams needed a win, none more so than Leicester. And it was those key moments in the game where they they got their little passing phases put together. Or you talk about Yuri Tillemans' second goal where Luke Thomas comes on to that ball on, on the right-hand side, his left-hand side, nips in, wins it, and gets Leicester on the front foot. In those key moments, Newcastle just couldn't cope with Leicester. When we were doing the, the pre-match build-up, Tony, on, on Match Day Live, we looked at the Newcastle team and, and saw the four that Jerry mentioned there in Wilson, St. Maximan, Joe Linton and, and Almiron and thought, 
that's very attacking from Eddie Howe. And we were maybe expecting them to be a, a little bit more expansive than they were. Were you surprised, given the team, how much they did sit back? Yes and no. Um, with the team, as you, as you mentioned, the attacking talent, I think I don't think that's really in doubt. The, the, the sort of ability that Newcastle got going forward. Um, the problem is, is when you're conceding goals. Um, you know, it's it, with any good team, you need to have the balance right. You can't just be gung ho and going out and trying to score, outscore teams. Because if you're shipping goals at the other end, which Newcastle have been doing, and they've been poor defensively this year then you're just quite simply against better teams. And Leicester were a better team yesterday. You're not going to outscore people. You have to get it right defensively. And on paper, it looked a very adventurous 4-4-2 from Newcastle. But in reality, it was much more a case of let's be close and tight and solid and get that back four, get the players tucked in, you know, get people dropping off, let Leicester have the ball, etc. And just try and get on the counter. I can understand that because of the position they're in. But there is a, I think there is a shout sometimes for being just a little bit more braver. And I, I was, I was disappointed with Newcastle. I think they sort of contributed to what was a pretty dull first half. But you can understand it, Dan. In the circumstances, they're in relegation trouble. They're going to do very, very well to stay up. You can have billions and billions of pounds in the bank. It doesn't matter. You've got to perform on the field of play, and they're in desperate trouble, Newcastle. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, going into the game, as you said, Tony, they were, well, second bottom in the relegation zone. But they were playing a team that, that are low on confidence in Leicester because of their recent results. So, I think the first half maybe was always going to go the way that it kind of did with both teams almost feeling each other out. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, a fair assessment. I mean, things weren't helped with, with what looked like, I don't know if you can tell me otherwise, they looked like a hamstring injury to Johnny Evans. You know, that didn't help. you reorganising that back four, of course... <clears throat> by losing Johnny, you then take Wilf out of midfield and then that causes further complications. Um, you know, but Samari came on, he does what he does well and, and they eventually got reorganised. And I think as the, as the first half was pushing on, Leicester looked the more likely, if there was going to be an opening in that first half, Leicester looked the more likely to do that. Um, but it, as I said, it was just, it just a disappointing game. You know, I'm sitting here all excited trying to think this is going to be a good game, two teams that need to win. And, and very much cancelled each other out. And then, of course, we had the, you know, the controversial penalty just before half-time. Uh, just a, a quick update on Johnny Evans. Uh, after the game, uh, Brendan Rodgers said it's unfortunate for Johnny. Uh, it looks like he might be out for a period of time. So we, we obviously don't know how long that might be. But to everyone, it, it seemed as though he's, he's pulled up, holding his hamstring. Whether or not he's pulled it, we don't know what the, the extent of that, of course. But Brendan Rodgers had just said a period of time, Jerry, which isn't great given Leicester's uh, bad luck, shall we say, with injuries at the back at the moment and illness as well. It's a very depleted back line as it is, so to see Johnny hobble off early on was, was a bit of a blow. Yeah, it's massive. It's a massive blow. And, and as well as Wilf did, you know, fitting in there at centre-half, and he did, he did fantastically well. And, and, and Soinchu grew as well. So it looked like Soinchu had took over the responsibility of you know, calling the shots. He was leading the line. He was squeezing the line up. You know, and the best I've seen him takes. Yeah. I agree with uh, And it was looked like he grew in stature when Johnny Evans went off. So that so that was a major plus because he has had issues. Uh, so on more than one occasion. So you know, he, he did fantastically well yesterday after Johnny had gone off. But in the bigger scheme of things, and moving forward. Moving forward from now to 
whatever happens on Thursday and forward from there, very busy period and some very, very tough games, then it is a bit of an issue. Well, it's not a bit of an issue. It's a big issue that Brendan has to try and sort out. And as you rightly say, you know, he's, uh, he's hampered by major players, defensive players being out injured or, or not being fully fit. We'll, we'll talk about the, the Spurs game in a bit more detail later, but, but do you expect on Thursday, Jerry, that it will be the same centre-half combination that, that ended the Newcastle game playing again on Thursday? You would expect so. But I, what, it was, what I didn't finish saying was moving forward and over a lengthier period of time, then you can't expect Wilf to stay at centre-half game on, game on, game. But that might have to be the scenario. But that then throws up its own issues, you know, because it's not a spe- he's, it's a specialised position centre half, and and you can't fit him for one, two, three games, or whatever. But if he has to go in there for four or five games, then it can throw up problems. I'm not saying it will, and as I said, after watching Wilf and Sonny Chu yesterday, they cope very, very well indeed. But you know, you're coming up against potentially Tottenham on Thursday, Harry Kane up front, Son, you know different types of players than what we've seen against Newcastle yesterday. Then you've got Everton with Richarlison, um, people like that. Then it's Manchester City, or Liverpool in the Cup, then Manchester City, then Liverpool at King Power. And that's a whole different scenario to what we've seen yesterday. And that's where the concern lies. In, in the more longer term, Tony, you'd expect the, the likes of Yannick Vestergaard and, and Dan Amati to be back available. Uh, they didn't make that trip to Napoli due to, to illness. Um, so hopefully they will be back in the fold soon as well. So that will help ease those, those problems at central, uh, centre-half. Yeah, and, and we, we're going to see him play a big part in what happens over the next well month, really, isn't it? I mean, if, if Leicester were to progress in the, in the Carabao Cup, you then got two semi-finals to come up in early January, in addition to the games that Tags has already mentioned. And you need the squad. You know, the games are coming really, really. This is the, the busiest part of the season. It always has been December. I think even more so perhaps this year where it's been crammed in a little bit with League Cup games and obviously with Leicester's commitments in Europe as well. So Vestergaard and Dan Amati, who, who have both done well at times. You know, they've not always done well, but at times they've both done well in that, in that centre-half position. And, and I think, you know, Brendan being the, the, the good coach that he is, he's got to just assess when you're going to need a Wilfred top Wilfred and Dini in midfield against the top midfields. I'm thinking Liverpool, Man City. When you're playing against them big boys, you've gone, you need your best players in their best positions. And they, you then got the problem. You take Wilf out the back four if he's playing there and then you then got Mane and Salah, etc. etc. up front plus all the Man City. But, so it's, it's going to be very difficult for Brendan to, to balance it out. I do feel sorry for him because he's had such disastrous injury problems this year and it has been for the club. You know, been so many problems after one after another, and losing Johnny Evans is, is a massive blow. You can't say anything other than that. You know, it was it was it was chaotic defending at times the early part of the season that we spoke about. Johnny comes back, everything settles down a little bit. So for him to now be out of the team is a big blow. Um, haven't even mentioned it, but obviously January the first, the transfer window opens down. So who knows? You know, Leicester might well dip into the, the window, and then the obviously the question then is. Do you then go and play big money for someone? But, you know, you then got Fafana coming back, James Justin, all these good players coming back. Or do you just 
fill the gap, plug the hole as such. So I think it might well be more the latter and try and pick someone up, you know, a good, maybe solid, maybe experienced defender, even a championship defender who can come into the club and just play in that position just to settle everything down. Or you go with what you've already got in your squad. So I think it'll be quite a big decision for the club come January the 1st. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, final point on, on that injury, Jerry. It, it, it came at such a bad time in the game as well, so early on as well. Mm. And, <laughs> and it, all, it sucked the atmosphere a little bit out the stadium. Suddenly people started to, to worry a little bit again because of how early Johnny Evans went off. Yeah, I remember reacting to it. And I was already nervous before the game. It's the most nervous I've been this season, I have to say. And it was a nervy start. You know, again, they were sloppy at times where they passed and they were, you know, trying to pass out from, from the back through the third and it wasn't working. And then, so, because Newcastle, for Newcastle, they, they did put a bit of a press on with Sam Maximan, Linton, Joel Linton, sorry, Wilson were putting the press on. Uh, Leicester couldn't quite get their passing game going early on in, in the game. And then the top of it all off, Johnny Evans, pulls that injury. So it was a really anxious time when when that injury came around and Johnny had to go off. But thankfully, you know, they came through that and, you know, established themselves in the game. Absolutely. And, and Yuri Tielemans was, was instrumental, Jerry, wasn't he, in establishing Leicester in the game. He, he obviously got the two goals, that the one in the first half from the spot, but it was his all-round play. He was tremendous yesterday. That, for me... That was a captain's performance yesterday. That was someone who, like Matt, sort of say, he, Matt said, he didn't drag the team, he led the team. But there's a fine line between leading and dragging. Uh, he was instrumental for me yesterday. You mean, him, Dewsbury Hall again, I thought was fantastic. You know, the way he drove forward. He, he, he's playing with no fear at the minute. And Tielemans... I just thought that was a real captain's performance yesterday, you know, a real top class. He was scrapping for everything. And, you know, I mentioned him fist pump and a throw in when the, he got a throw in down in his own defensive third. Uh, the header, cross comes in later on in the first half. He comes across and gets a really important defensive header in. And then at the other end, his passing, his goal scoring speaks for itself. So, an all-round midfielder's captain's performance for me yesterday from Tiedemann. Uh, there was no doubt, really, Tony, in, in the stadium when he stepped up for the penalty that, that he was going to score that. No, no doubt at all. I mean, it was a fantastic penalty, wasn't it? And I agree with Tags. I think, I think Yuri's contribution yesterday was fantastic, um, a wonderful performance. Um, but I think Brendan will be pleased with a lot of the individual performances as well. You know, it was important to bounce back as a team, which they did with the result. But, you know, individually, there were some really, really good performances. We've mentioned Tielemans. I thought it was outstanding. Soyuncu, for me, one of his best games this season. And I'm also looking, I've said it before, I like the look of Patson Dacker. I think what he brings to the team, you know, he's, he's the most similar forward to Jamie Vardy, I think I've seen um, since Jamie's been at the club because there's been players obviously trying to play that position when Jamie's not on the field of play. I think Patson's done that really well. Um, I agree with Jewsby Hall as well. He, I think he's, he's really, really um, progressing. And Brendan obviously thinks a lot of him because he's still a young kid and he's been playing. Was it three games on the top now and four games, whatever it is? You know, so he's been in the team. 
Um, and, and also the return of form to James Madison as well. We know some of his flicks and skills have been brilliant as well. Um, but going back to the penalty, I mean, uh, listen, it's obviously a little bit of doubt about the penalty. You can look at it both ways, but I think, you know, with Yuri on the ball, he, he, he's so composed. And, you know, there's certain players, you, you, you watch them in their run-up on a penalty and you think, oh, I'm not sure yet. It's, it's, it's almost like no confidence in their run-up. But when you see him put the ball down, he just looks so cool and you just think, oh, he's going to score. And, you know, it's a fantastic penalty. I think it's one of those that if the keeper goes the right way, he's not going to save it. Of course, he went the other way, but, he, you know, it was, it was a brilliant penalty. Speaking of, of the award of the, the penalty, Jerry, I've seen some reaction on, on social media to it. One thing I will say is live in the ground in the stadium, it looked like an absolute stone wall penalty first time around. Yeah. Uh, it did, but that's why we have VAR done. Uh, to make sure that those decisions are right. And, and I suppose you could you could call it a weekend of controversial penalties because there's been a few, hasn't there? And would you have felt hard done by if, if you were... I always yeah. look at it, and, and this is... And it's not sitting on the fence, because the way I look at it is, if that happened to Leicester, and that penalty was given against Leicester, there'd be uproar. Because, for me, it was a controversial decision from VAR. That's, that's, that's my opinion. That's why I, you have to look at it fairly and squarely as it is in that moment. I thought it was a, a bit harsh. I have to say, yes, he leaps in, but was there contact? I don't know. Credit to James Madison. You know, he's not, he's not dove. He's, tr he's probably trying to ride that sort of half-hearted challenge from the sales. But I still thought it was slightly controversial, slightly dubious. And if it had been on the, if the shoe had been on the other foot, i.e. it was... So into making that challenge on Callum Wilson and the ref gives it and we've seen the replay, then we'd all be saying, oh, I'm not sure about that. And that's so actually great. Do you know one, one, one thing I couldn't understand was LaSalle's reaction? Yeah. And, or or yeah. lack, of, a lack yeah. of it, really. Because yeah. if that would have been you or Walshy or Elliot, I, you would have gone absolutely Strange. mad. Because yeah. you would have, you'd have just chased after the referee, as everyone would have done, to put pressure on the referee to go and have a look at VAR. Go and have a look yeah. at it. I'm not, you know, I, I did mean it. Like, but LaSalle sort of went, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and you, you, you often wonder, I mean, we, we, we will probably never know, but you often wonder what the VAR referee, I, I don't know who it was, Dan, you might be able to tell me, whoever it was looking at it down at Stockley Park, you know, when they look at, the incident, you would have thought that not only are they looking at, was it a foul? Was there contact? Yes, there was contact. We know there was. Was it a foul? You can argue trying to take his leg away, whatever. But surely they would also look at the reaction of the players because, as we know, Tags, normally the reaction of the players in real time tells you everything you need to know. And it was almost as if Lascelles went, oh, well, I've touched him. It's a penalty. But mm. I, I'm astonished by his reaction because I, I know... I, I agree with you. If that had been the other way, the Leicester fans would have gone mad. And I think the Leicester players would have surrounded the referee. And we certainly would have done in our time. I just found it a bit bizarre. Regardless of whether or not it was a penalty, it, it came at a vital time, though, Tony, didn't it? Getting that goal just before <clears> the break <throat> like that. 
yeah, it's always a it's always a good time to score, Dan, isn't it? And it was, it was to be honest, it was what the game needed. Um, you know, if it had gone in a bit stalemate at nil nil, which it was, you know, as I said, there are very very few um, attacking opportunities for for both sides. If you go in at nil nil, then there's no doubt Newcastle would have been the, the happier of the two teams. Leicester at home, you know, they're trying to take the game to Newcastle. It wasn't quite happening. And you go in, you're sitting at nil-nil and you go, oh, you know. Whereas Newcastle would have been, well done, that's brilliant. 45 minutes done, you know, half the job done. And, and, and they probably would have taken a point yesterday, Newcastle. I think it's a tough place to go, the KP. So a point for Newcastle. And if you get in the dressing room at nil-nil, you know, you, you're sitting there thinking, no, we're, we're doing all right here today. But... To concede just before half-time, thanks to tell you, it's, it's a horrible feeling because you've done all that hard work for so long, what was it, 37, 38 minutes, and then the goal goes in and then you then spend the rest of the half-time, instead of sort of praising your players, you're then trying to reorganise and trying to get the players in a different mentality to go out because once Newcastle were a goal down, they had to try and take the game to, to Leicester a little bit and change their tactics. I think if that goal doesn't go in, then we would have just probably witnessed a boring nil-nil draw, I think. Yeah, but vital that it came that time and, and helped the atmosphere as well, Jerry, didn't it? Just getting that goal was able to give the home fans a bit of a lift. Yeah, as I said, I think everyone in the ground was nervous yesterday. You know, after what has just come before, last couple of results, obviously not going our way. Uh, <clears throat> then it was a nervy atmosphere from the home fans. And, and, you know, I was one of them, sat there, and I was nervous. I was grabbing... One of the technicians, you know, one of the guys that works in there. I, I was all over the place for uh, uh, until that goal, until the second goal. But then once the second goal, then it was game over for me. But yeah, it was an RB atmosphere. So, you know, the, it was, you know, sometimes it is down to the players. Or well, most of it's down to the players. Sometimes when the fans are on edge, then they have to get, you know, they have to try and make sure that you know they take control of the game. Take con- control of the situation by scoring a goal that gets the fans you know it makes them obviously a little less nervous and gets them back on sign not that they weren't on sign but I mean as regards to you know chanting and getting behind the team but you can understand that it was a nervy atmosphere yesterday because I was one of those nervy fans uh, if the first goal was vital Tony the second as Jerry has alluded to even more so and it was a good team goal, actually. All, all three of the, 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 the remaining goals for Leicester were good team goals, the second one in particular. Yeah, I think it, it, it summed up Leicester perfectly, I think. You know, they win the ball on the left-hand side and then when it's played into Madison, there's a lovely little flick in behind, isn't there? And then Harvey Barnes, it's, it, it's one of those um, training ground things that you... It, it's, it, in training, it's easy to do, Dan, because you... You're a little bit more relaxed in training, you know. If you if you mess it up, it's not really a problem or whatever. But when you run through and, and give Harvey great credit for this because he's assessed the situation really, really quickly. And when you run through, you've got that decision to make. You're only two choices: you're either shooting or you're passing. And if you shoot and miss and that, then you get you get screamed at. You know, listen, I was a selfish goal scorer. You know, like I would always think shoot, but. In training, it's easy because you think, oh, someone there, just pass it square and then they tap it in, no problem. In a game, it's not quite as easy to do that because there's that much pressure on. You've got the fans, everyone's going, shoot, shoot. Everyone wants you to shoot. And I, I just thought it was really, really composed from Harvey Barnes. And 
and, and Dakar as well, like he didn't, you know, again, sometimes you see people, they play it square and they thrash it in. And we've seen Ronnie Rosenthal's and all sorts of that. You know, Dakar, just a little touch, stroked it in and made it look really, really easy. It was a fabulous team goal. Um, but big praise to Harvey Barnes because he, I, I, it was definitely the right choice. And, you know, I think we've seen over, certainly over the last three, four years since I've been involved back with the club, we've seen quite a few of those goals where Leicester run through 2v1, they obviously work it, and, and it's about the team. You pass it square, if he's got a better chance of scoring, you pass it square, and it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm always an advocate, Jerry, when I'm watching and, <clears throat> and you see someone go through like that. If there's someone there, I think you should pass it every single time. Tony, as he said, will disagree, <laughs> uh, being the goal scorer he was, but it just reduces the, the margin for error in a way. Yeah, but I suppose it doesn't matter as long as it ends up in the back. And, uh, and if you're a, a striker, of Tony's ilk, then he would back himself anyway to stick it in the back line. It so doesn't really matter. Yeah, uh, for me, that goal was all about the time and two things. Yuri Tillman started that move off with that pass where the balls come into him and he's he's it was a congested area, and just but that his first time pass back out to the left hand side just opened that bit of space. I can't remember who passed the ball into Madison. That's the only issue I've got. Jewsby Hall, I think. Jewsby Hall, I think. So, the ball comes in there and it's really congested. And Tillemans just sees that pass straight away. First time, bang, to Jewsby Hall. That gives Jewsby Hall then a bit of time to control it, look up and play that ball into Madison. As soon as that ball is on its way into Madison from Jewsby Hall, Harvey Barnes goes right, I'm on my way. And make that run. The timing of the run's fantastic. I'm fair play to Pats and Dacker. What he did, he was always up with play. Or whether he was pressing high up the pitch or whether he was involved in the build-up play, he was always up with play. And, and so he he gave Harvey Barnes an option to pass to him by being up in support. And, and in the end, Harvey made the decision to pass to him. And that's, that's the reason why it became a tapping goal. If you look, and the reason why I say is because if you look at the Newcastle defence, they're nowhere near Patson Dagger. Because he's always thinking, how do I get in behind? The space is in behind. I need to get in behind. I have to be up with play. So it's great play from the Perlham to break that defensive line of Newcastle's. And that's what gives him the opportunity to have a, t- a tapping goal. So great all round play from Telemans, Madison. Barnes and Dakar. It was a, a tight call, wasn't it, that the Harvey Barnes won? I said yesterday it was it was just onside, Jerry, but just just is onside, isn't it? So that's all it has to be. It's, it's all about the timing. Tony will tell you. It doesn't matter whether you're you know a yard onside or, or a millimeter onside. It's how you time that run. He timed it to perfection. Uh, after that, we saw some other good team goals as well, didn't we? Of course, Tony. The Yuri Tielemans one, um, I think everyone was expecting James Madison to maybe dummy it because Tielemans was the free man at the, the back post. We thought when he took the touch, maybe the chance had gone, but it was great composure from, well, both Madison and Tielemans. Yeah, it was very similar to the first goal in many respects, wasn't it? Because it was just about awareness of your teammates and, you know, Dakar plays it into Madison and he, he, he gets the ball, like you say, he could have let it run, but he takes the touch and then he just rolls it and, <laughs> always like it when, when you see someone pass the ball, particularly in the penalty area, it's always nice to pass the ball so someone can actually sort of hit the ball or take a touch 
to then stroke it into the net and that. It was it was, it was a wonderful goal again. Tielemans, I mean, you, same as the penalty, really. You you look at, you you think, right, who's that coming at the boxes? When you see it, Jury, you think, well, I think he's going to score here. And it was, uh, you know, again, it was, he didn't have a lot really to aim at because the keeper done well. He came out, made himself big and that, and he had to sort of put it high. There was defenders rushing back. You know, he was under a bit of pressure. But I thought it was a really, really good finish. And, and, and yet again, another really, really good goal. Good play from Dakar, as uh, you know, Tags just spoke about it with the second goal. And the same the third goal. Uh, I, I love the way he runs the line. He wants to get in behind. He wants to make things happen. So he was involved as well. He had a really good game. But good play from Madison and a great finish from Yuri. Um, I, I think Dakar's pass, Jerry. Do you think he was aimed for Tiedemans? Did he see Tiedemans making the run and... and... Madison was there as well, or was he was he picking up Madison? Do you think? I th- well, it, it's hard it's hard to say because obviously the pace on the pass you would have thought it was going to Tiedemans, wouldn't you? But I think in those scenarios, whether or not he was looking up, but he can see you can see blue shirts. <clears throat> so it's a case of making sure the ball gets the one on him, and the way it gets the way you make sure of that is by putting a bit more pace on it. So a defender can't come in and intercept that pass. So I don't, I'm sure Pats and Dacker's main concern was get it to a blue shirt. There's two blue shirts there. Get it to one of them. And obviously, it's, it's, it's great control from James to set him up. There is a bit of pace on the pass. And again, unselfishly from James, you know, he could have had a shot, but, you know, he, he, he's put it on a plate for your, and you're his finish. He's, he's hit it. He's hit. He struck it. You know, you know, at the bottom of your big toe, there's a big bit of bone that sticks out. The bottom of your big toe. It's like the ball of your foot, is it? And that's where he strikes the ball. And it was a fantastic strike. Fantastic finish. It's just so cool. He's so, so composed, so calm. And I tell you, it's a difficult skill to pull off. Normally, in those situations, forwards, midfielders, They'll put their foot through it and drive it. But you watch Tiedemans, he just strokes that ball with the inside of his big toe, basically. It's a great strike. <laughs> I mean, those that tune into Extra Time, you, you don't just get a football chapter, and you get an anatomy lesson as well. So it's, uh, it's all watch good. Watch it. I'm telling you. At the bottom of his big toe, it's an unbelievable strike. It's <laughs> you, a culture. Well, <laughs> yeah. Whereas I say, normally, you I, well... I would have put Malaysia's through that, definitely. Yeah. For the best. But you're talking about a player who just literally first touch and then thinks, well, I'm just going to stroke this in the top corner. I, I think that comes down to confidence as well, yeah. Tags. You know, with, with finishing, um, you know, there's often many times where you have to go for power and you've got to strike it with, you know, full on with the laces and that. But the, the, the most accurate way of scoring a goal is with the instep, the side of the foot that you're talking about, takes, And you can get the, you can put the ball more where you want going with the side foot. It's, it's always difficult when you've got all the things that I spoke about with the goalkeeper and the defenders and you've only got a certain place to put it. But if you're trying to put it in a certain position, it's always better to go with the side foot. And he, had, he hit it with a nice bit of pace as well. But it was a wonderful finish. I don't know if the, the TV coverage that, that you had, Tony, showed the replay, but one of the, the slow-mo celebrations from behind the goal as, as Tielemans, as James Madison there in his arms and, and he just looks at the crowd and points at Madison and smiles with a, a kind of surprise, not a surprise look, but a just how good was that from Madison sort of thing? 
Yeah, I, well, I, I, I think I would like to think that the players are, are you know, someone like Yuri's been playing week, week in, week out. I know he missed a couple of games, didn't he? But he's been pretty much by far and away Leicester's best player this year. Let's be honest about it. Um, but he would want someone like James Madison to be to get back on form and get back to doing the things that he was doing yesterday and he has been doing over the last sort of three or four games. You know, since he's got that run of form, James Madison, he, he you know, he's such a creative player and he's capable of doing what he did for the third goal. And then of course he, he you know, the fourth goal, the icing on the cake if you like, you know, again was a another lovely goal. But I, I think Yuri was going like, you know, he's back on form, he's the man and, and and as as a team, you need that. You know, you you know what you what you're getting with your teammates. When you when you're in that dressing room, you look around that dressing room, and you know what you're getting from certain players. And if those players aren't quite at it, or they're a little bit off form, or a lack of confidence, and that, and you do try and help them, and you know you 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 know the ones that you need. And a guy called Muzzy is it in our team tags, didn't we? And he was pretty instrumental to, to what we needed. You know, if we wanted to make things happen, if, if we was having a difficult day, you had you had the likes of Lenny and Sav who can get their foot in and everything. Whereas boys at the back were always reliable. But if you needed that little bit of creation, you needed like a Muzzy or someone just to get on the ball and make things happen. And that, for me, Muzzy was our James Madison, you know, that player that can do something a little bit different and make things happen. I think that's what Tillemans was saying. And he I think got bring the best out of each other, Dan. Yeah. You know, and they love playing together because they're so creative and they love linking up. I mean, imagine imagine playing football with a guy who's just as creative and as skillful and as, as you are. So you've got two players who are on the same wavelength, thriving for the same thing and, and pulling the best. And when you've got that, it, it drives everybody forward. So them two being on the pitch uh, for Leicester at the minute is, is driving everybody forward in the right direction, which is, can only be a good thing. Yeah, you, you look at it, I think James Madison now is, is level with Jamie Vardy and Patterson Dacker in terms of, of goals and assists and, and being involved in, well, just being involved in goals, Tony. And, and you look at the start that maybe he personally made to, to the season, he'll say himself, it wasn't his best start to a season. And... He was disappointed in his own performances at times. He said that himself in interviews. But now he's suddenly on this fantastic run of form, which has, has come at a really good time for the club. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it comes back to that key word, confidence, isn't it? And, you know, listen, me and Tags, we've all been there as a player. You have spells where you just... It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. You, you, you know that you're not on it yourself. You know, when you, you go out on the field of play, you try to pass and give the ball away or whatever. If you're in that, I'm trying to put myself in that creative midfield position. And that's why I've said it's always hard for James because he's he's not the type of player, player who shies away from the pass. He won't get on the ball and say, oh, I'll pass it 10 yards. He'll always look for a 40-yard pass or a forward pass, a creative pass. And when you're that type of player, it is hard to get going and get into a, a, a run of form and, and be a, a part of the team. But since he's got back in, for whatever reason, he, he must have worked hard in training because, he, you know, you, you have to win back the trust of the manager and your fellow players as well because everyone knows when you're playing well and everyone knows when someone's not playing well. Um, but, you know, he's, he's had to be patient. It wasn't the best of starts to the season for him. We know that, you know, at times he, was, he wasn't in the team. He was struggling. When he did get on, it wasn't happening. 
But you look at him now and he's getting back to the, to the form that we saw, what was it, that a year, maybe 18 months ago, where he was in that sort of form. He was being linked with high-profile clubs. He was being linked with England, etc. You know, that is the type of James Madison would need, need back on the ball at the football club. And he deserves great credit for it because there's no easy, there's no easy solution to it. It's, it's the most horrible feeling when it's not going well for you as a footballer. The only way out of it is hard work. There's no other way of getting through it. And, you know, he deserves praise for that. And his goal, you know, his reward was the fourth goal, wasn't it? Again, a lovely goal. Uh, I've, I've always loved one-twos. I think it's one of the best things in football. It's been round for years and years and years. You go back many, many years. But there's nothing better than seeing a one-two. You know, he played it with Dakar, didn't he? Like, ball in, and you drop your shoulder. You, 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 because, you, because you know what you're going to do, you've got the advantage of the defender. The defender, in theory, should never get there first. But Madison's done it. Played it in, dropped his shoulder, gets the ball, and it was an excellent finish as well because he was under big pressure, found the corner, and uh, you know that was that really was the icing on the cake. Was uh, you know to get that fourth goal, but you know fair play to James Madison. I'm really pleased with him. I love listening to his interviews. I think he seemed a really nice kid. He talks a lot of sense, and it's nice to see creative English players. I think you know doing well in the Premier League. So I'm really pleased with him. One one thing I've always noticed, Jerry, about James Madison is is he seems to be he is just happy playing football. And whenever he scores a goal or whenever his teammates score a goal, he's just got sheer joy on his face. He he is legitimately happy <laughs> that that he scored a goal, and and you see it every single time he gets involved in other people's celebrations. He he just enjoys being out there, and he enjoys the good moments of of scoring a goal, assisting a goal, being part of a team goal. Yeah, and I think, you know, Brendan has created that environment for the players, for the creative players like James and Yuri and Jewsby Hall to go out and express themselves. So it's like a, it's like a playground for grown-ups, isn't it, that, the King Power Stadium? And if you're enjoying your football, you enjoy the managers playing a style of football that suits your game, which I think, you know, Brendan does in the main. Uh, he plays that style of football that hopefully gets the best out of these players, i.e. James Madison. So there's no, there's no reason why, when he's on form and when he's playing well, he shouldn't be happy. And at the end of the day, you know, when you listen to Brendan talk, it's all about the team ethic. It's all about the team. Uh, and I'm sure most of the players are well aware that everyone plays their part in getting a positive result. And you talk about the t- the goals, the last three goals, that it was all about two, three, four passes before it gets to the guy who puts the ball in the net. So it's understanding the hard work that goes on. You know, you talk about Yuri's second goal. It all comes from Luke Thomas, who steps in, wins the ball, and uh, gets Pats and Dacker down the line. And he hasn't even been mentioned in, the, in that build-up. But if he doesn't step in, and pinch that ball, then that, that goal doesn't get created. So there, there, there's a number of variables that have to happen and all come together for that goal to get. So it's understanding that everybody plays a part. It's not just a guy that sticks the ball in the back of the net. Uh, next up uh, is Thursday, Tony, uh, the, the game with Spurs, uh, again at, at King Pass Stadium. <clears throat> now Spurs, <coughs> excuse me, Spurs have had these COVID cases. Um, we don't know fully at, at this moment in time what's happening. We assume the game is, is still on. So 
it, it's an opportunity actually for Leicester now to, to try and get back-to-back wins in the Premier League and take the confidence <laughs> that they clearly got from uh, Sunday's win over Newcastle. Yeah, I think the boys will be looking forward to it now, won't they, Dan? I mean, let, let's hope the game's on. Um, I think certainly from Tottenham's point of view, I don't think they can afford to have too many more games off, can they? They've, <coughs> they've already lost the Brighton game at the weekend. Before that, the Burnley game was called off for a snow. So they're, they're all in down two games on where everyone else are. If this was called off, that would be three games, which wouldn't be good from Tottenham's point of view because they'd be playing catch-up for the, the rest of the season. From Leicester's point of view, you know, I think there's certainly an argument that it, 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 you couldn't ask for a better time to play Tottenham if they have had COVID in the ranks of the, of the dressing room, which they have, we know that. Um, you know, how much training have the boys done? You know, have they been allowed to do full training? Have they all been together? I would have thought it's been absolute chaos at Tottenham Football Club. Um, so from Leicester's point of view, it's, it, it must be a great time to play them. Um, as, as I say, we don't know the facts. We don't know what's going to happen. And obviously, it, you know, if there is illness in the ranks, I'm sure the game will be called off. Um, but if I'm a Leicester player, you know, you, you would have played the game yesterday. You go into training and, you know, you, you had the heartache of last week. But this week positive and looking forward and you know Leicester back back in eighth position now aren't they you know they, they you can now start realistically looking and thinking you know that fourth Champions League spot is going to be up for, for option I think this year we've spoke about it top three are going to be miles away over the hill and far away but that fourth position is going to be there for someone and you know there, there's other teams that have been very inconsistent Man United Arsenal Spurs, they've all been inconsistent. West Ham have dropped off and dropped a few points recently. So from Leicester's point of view, there's a wonderful opportunity there. And, you know, you've got Spurs coming up and get your three points. And then you can look forward to what's going to be, no doubt, a difficult game at Goodison on Sunday. But, you know, let's get this, this game first. I think it's a great time to play Tottenham. There are other games to take place, obviously, um, before the, the Leicester one. But if Leicester beats Spurs, Jerry, they go above them in the league. Um, I, we obviously can't say they'll go into seventh because of those other games that take place, but still, they'll go above Spurs with a win. Yeah, uh, you know, Tony's right. You know, obviously, Tottenham, new manager, a manager that, you know, demands, demands 120% effort in every game, uh, that they have seen an upturn in performances and results since he's come in, but, you know, a, a major, major Clyde has been cast over Tottenham Hotspur Football Club with, you know, the, the closing of the training ground. And, you know, as Tony mentioned, with you don't know what's going on there as regards to preparing for games, which is... And if they're not training together, that means they're training on their own and they've been given individual uh, programmes to carry out. But that is not nowhere near the type of, uh, <clears throat> you know, you can't prepare for games just by going out and running around the park for 5K or whatever and doing a few sprints. So as far as Leicester concerned, coming into this game with a situation that Tottenham are in, uh, can only be good for Leicester, you know, coming in off the back of a 4-0 win at home. It's a home game against Tottenham. Uh the results against Tottenham at home have been variable. That it's it is uh, fair to say in recent times they've had some really good results, and Tottenham uh, also have had good results at King Park. So another big big game. It'll be a different scenario to what it was against Newcastle yesterday. 
but confidence will be riding high. Whereas I don't think Tottenham could say the same thing. Brendan Rodgers has got some decisions as well to make, Tony. We already touched upon that at, at centre-half, whether it would be Wilfred and Didi again back there. He also has one up front to make. Jamie Vardy played in, in Italy, didn't he? Daka didn't. Now, Daka played at the weekend, Jamie Vardy didn't. Does Vardy come back in on Thursday? Daka's played well whenever he's been in. Jamie Vardy's the second top scorer in the Premier League this season. So, <laughs> there is a decision to be made for Brendan Rodgers there. Yeah, of course there is. Um, you know, I'm pretty certain that Jamie would, would, would want to play every game. Um, it gets harder as you get older. It gets harder, you know. Once you get into your 30s, it's, it's hard to play Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. Very, very difficult to do that. And I think Brendan is managing Jamie in the right way. Um, you know, it's, you've, you've got to pick and choose the games that you play him in. <laughs> what, what he will be pleased about is that in Patson Dacker at the moment, on his current form, he's got someone that he can confidently put in the team and knows that he's going to... He, he, he's never going to be Jamie Vardy because he, he, he's a similar player, but he's a different player. We know that. You know, and to replace Jamie Vardy is going to be one of the hard, hardest things to do in Premier League football because of what Jamie's contributed towards the football club. But Patson has done a fantastic job so far. You've got Kelechi as well, so there are options... There's lots of good, you know, attacking midfield players as well that can contribute. Harvey Barnes, for example. So, you know, Brendan has got options, but he, he's just got to manage the squad, Dan. And, you know, I think Jamie will return against Spurs. That's my opinion. I think he will start the game, providing he's fit, of course. I think he will start the game. But you might well see almost alternate games where Jamie plays, packs and plays, Jamie plays, packs and plays. But, you know, if Leicester are getting the results and the we've said it before, that team spirit that, that you see at Leicester, they all seem to be pulling together they're all celebrating together you know there's no miserable faces in the dugout unlike at Everton my old club I would add because I'm sure we'll talk about that as games at the weekend but you know when, when you get disharmony in the dressing room or players are moaning and uh, you know because they're not playing etc then I, I don't see that Leicester and I, I think Brendan will as he always does he will make the right call but I do expect Jamie to start on Thursday uh, yeah, nice segue from Tony uh, into uh, the next bit. Jerry, what, what game at the weekend, uh, other than the Leicester one, obviously, uh, caught your eye in the Premier League? <clears throat> well, we were talking about penalties earlier, Dan, weren't we? And so I'm going to pick the, the Wolves-Man City game. Uh, another controversial penalty that shouldn't have been given. But, well, wasn't overturned, let's say, by VAR. Uh, <clears throat> Clearly didn't hit Matinho's hands, <laughs> but was still given. And I think, you know, that a really spirited performance from Wolves against Manchester City. And to lose it in the way that they did is, you know, I think VAR is still throwing up more questions and answers, if you ask me. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've, you know, give Wolves credit coming up against the champions uh, and unfortunately VAR didn't come to the rescue. Uh, Tony, what about you? I think I just hinted at the game. I, I sat and watched the game after uh, obviously Leicester played yesterday, Dan, and I, you know, I'm pretty fearful for my old club Everton at the moment. Um, they took Richarlison off early in the second half. The manager's saying he's injured. The player's saying he's not injured. And then 
I mean, he, he was a picture sitting on the bench with Charleston. Then, of course, Rondon scored the player that had replaced him. So they did get back into it at 2-1. But um, I, I personally don't think all's well at Everton Football Club. And the fans, um, you know, with the manager being an ex-Liverpool manager, it's, it's always a big risk to do that. And I think you can look at most clubs up and down the country, probably Leicester included, where you there'll be one club where if you appoint a manager from that club, the, the fans, they'll try and give him a little bit of encouragement. But it's if things start to go wrong, a few dodgy results, etc., then it really piles the pressure on. And uh, I think Leicester are going to have an opportunity, a good opportunity to add to that pressure when they play them on Sunday. Um, it's a game I'll be covering with you guys and I'm looking forward to doing it. But I think that's going to be a massive game for, for Everton. And, you know, that defeat at Palace, they can't keep, losing games. I was lucky they played against a very poor Arsenal team the other night because Arsenal didn't really turn up and Everton got the result. But um, the all's not well there. So that, for me, was the, the sort of the interesting fixture. And, and the rest of them, I know Tag spoke about the Man City one, but most of them really went to, to form, didn't they, in terms of the big boys winning, just opening up the gap, just pushing on, really. So it was a, there wasn't too many outstanding results, but uh, I think that Everton Palace one could be a significant one going forward. Uh, right, let's do our uh, football Jenga then to end extra time. Um, I hope you've been keeping a close eye on the other games. We've done this before with you two. Uh, so it's the Premier League goal scorers across the nine games. So there wasn't uh, the Spurs game. So the Premier League goal scorers across the nine games that took place. Um, Tony, you can go first. I'll safely say Yuri Tillemans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Solomon Rondon. James Madison. Raheem Sterling. I'll stay with Leicester. Patson Dacker. Cristiano Ronaldo. Chelsea. Mason Mount scored for Chelsea. <laughs> Patson Dacker. Oh, have you said that? <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah, you said it. Simmons, Dacker, Madison. Oh, right. Well, that was short and sweet. Have I got to get one then to win, or did I? Uh, you, you did go first, but go on, get get another one if you can, if you've got one. I'm hoping Dags didn't say it, but um, there's a lad of Palace doing really well called Conor Gallagher. I, I, I was trying to think of his name. Yeah, he's doing really well, Tony. His, his second goal was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, by almost by default, in a way, Tony wins. But yeah, it's a good win, Tony. Well done. Uh, Brian and Bueno, Watch uh, Janssen, Dennis scored for Watford, Lacazette, Odegaard, Gabriel, Rafinha, Geldhart, Jorginho, Salah, and Tompkins uh, were the ones that you missed. Um, I think if you've not heard Dakar, it could have gone on for a bit longer, Jay. But uh, hey ho, it's a win for Tony. So. Yeah, but then I next time, Ryan, to be honest. Normally, me, I'm as you know, so at least he retakes this week. All that research again, Tony, all that research. Oh, no, um, Right, at Thursday, then, the game with Spurs in the Premier League is a 7 30 kickoff. Uh, that means we'll be on from six o'clock on Match Day Live. So do join us for that. Tony, you said you're with I'll us see you Sunday. on Sunday, yeah. so we'll see you for that. Uh, and Jerry, we'll see you uh, for, for both of those. But uh, appreciate your time, guys. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. All the best.